Stephanie Thompson, UEBO. We're headed to the live line to talk to Dr. James Spencer. He is with MoodyCenter.org, the DL Moody Center. He's got a book called A Praying People. It's a collection of essays, and I think on Halloween he's the perfect guest. Hi, James. How are you? I'm great. Good to be here. Good to have you here. I thought I'd play the devil inside for you before we got her all on, (laughs) because I'm weird like that. Okay, so um, you got with, is it Ashish Varma? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And A Praying People. These are essays inspired by Dwight L. Moody. And it's an easy read. You know, you get past the introduction, you find out why things are the way they are. But how did you choose what you chose to include in the book? Well, I think what we really wanted to do was to have a mix of people who understood D.L. Moody and his emphasis on prayer, but also find people who were just um, strong academically and had a, a real desire to write on prayer, to inspire the church to pray. And so the essays and the topics really just came out of that. Um, we, uh, yeah, we just really started with Moody's basic insight that prayer is important, well, <laughs> and then kind of went from there. He And he puts it in such a way it's almost biblical or Shakespearean. You know, you've got to read it and maybe read it twice, because for me, when people word things in proper English, it's hard for us us, uh, <laughs> us Americans now to even understand what the heck they're saying. But in the Bible lesson my grandson and I did last night, it was when they moved the, the tent of meeting and the cloud moved and they were counting the Jewish people as they were moving away from sure. the, you know the base of the Mount Sinai. I had to explain that to my grandson, who's eight, so many times to get him to understand <laughs> that it was like the beginning of the church. You know, it it was like he couldn't grasp the language of what they were saying because yeah. it's biblical. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. And it, it does, you know, the Bible does speak in a little bit different language than we're used to. Right. Um, even though it's been translated into English, there's a lot of symbols there. There's a lot of you know, ac- actions and practices that made sense to ancient Israelites or, or folks in the sem- Second Temple period that we just don't quite get. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's the whole Aramaic tr- transcript over to English thing. That we're, I think we lose <laughs> something in translation, but little kids don't understand parables, period. So I think it's important that they do understand how to pray, though. So I loved this this book because it it kind of helps you learn how to block other things out while you're praying, if that makes sense? It does, yeah. We were really hoping that as we just reviewed some of the practices that we find both in Scripture and in the work of, like like I said, D.L. Moody, and then there's actually a chapter on Julian of Norwich, um, we were just hoping that as we reviewed some of those uh, resources on prayer, that people would get a better sense of what it means to pray, how it how it looks in your daily life, and why it's so important. And how important it is to just remain prayerful, even when things have gone to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> That's right. You know? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So how did you choose, because he's got more than just what you put in the book written. I mean, it, he must have just lost his right arm from writing, because he wrote <laughs> so much. But, you know, he, he wrote... a. The, something that really touched me, because when you're going through hard times, that seems to be when everyone turns to God. We should turn to him every day, and we should have some sort of prayerful experience each and every day, morning, noon, and night. But 
you you quoted him as saying, the world is no charms for me when I look up, but the trouble with God's children, they do not look up enough. And that one really touched me because no matter how you raise your children, they say they're going to come back around to it as they get older, but waiting for that to happen is sometimes very painful. Yeah, and you know what's interesting, that quote comes out of a letter that he was writing to his son after the loss of his grandson. Mm-hmm. So Dwight Moody had a grandson named Dwight, um, and his, who died relatively young. And Dwight Moody writes that line to a letter uh, seeking to comfort his son and his wife. And so what we find in D.L. Moody, I think, is he really was a strong believer in prayer, but I don't think he viewed it as something that was sort of magical, right? You know, this dynamic you're talking about of, well, we pray when we're in trouble, we pray when things get hard. D.L. Moody wasn't trying to convey that. What he was trying to convey was, look, if we were to do this on a daily basis, if this is something that becomes part of the warp and woof of our lives, uh, that's when we begin to see that the world can hold no charms for us mm-hmm. when we look up. And so a lot of what, a lot of the content that we determined to use um, and to treat specifically with D.L. Moody um, really derived out of um, my reading of the D.L. Moody Center's digital archives. Um, we have a digital archive project where we're publishing um, a lot of Moody's letters and papers. And he talks a lot about prayer, just sort of in the um, normal uh, conversations that he's having with people in these letters. It's kind of fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and so we really drew heavily on that aspect of his understanding of prayer, because the informality of it has a certain um, sort of natural state to it. You know, it felt very natural for him to talk about prayer, and maybe even to talk about prayer in a way that we don't, we've kind of lost today. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not as godly as a lot of people I know. Um, I, I pray all the time, but when I lose it, I, I get a little bit, yeah, you know, I, I lose it. So, and I get that, but I know God also gets that. And prayer is not some sort yeah. of magic trick that's just going to fix everything, because it doesn't. You get no. according to his will, and that's what people don't understand. They're like, I prayed and I prayed and I never got an answer, so I'm not doing it anymore, which is a petulant act of disbelief, and, and God really hates that. So you, when, the whole God's will thing is really hard for a lot of people to understand. Yeah, and I think, you know, even as we think about prayer as an activity, you know, it's easy to think of prayer in terms of um, the old story of Aladdin and the lamp. Right, where we're coming to God as if he's a genie in a bottle, and if we rub this bottle in the right way, then God is just going to grant us the wish of our hearts. And really prayer is, we should think about prayer in a different way. We should think about prayer as an acknowledgement of our dependence on God and a, a desire to understand how he would have us live our lives. So not approaching God on our terms, but approaching him on his terms. And, you know, when we think about prayer in terms of dependence and an acknowledgement of our dependence, I think it does take on a slightly different orientation than just sort of a petition to an almighty God who could give us whatever we wanted, but somehow isn't. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it, it, to me, it, it, uh, what I really got out of this whole study and in writing these essays and was 
prayer is that act of dependence. It's what we do to acknowledge that we really, truly need God, not only to give us what we want, right, but even even beyond that, and, and probably more importantly than that, is to guide what we want, to determine what we want, to change our desires and our basic um, interests in life. And so um, prayer becomes something that we kind of do, hoping that God will change us, not hoping that God will give us the desires of our heart, which are often skewed and messed up. Yeah, and you know, prayer isn't just something you do to feel close to God. He kind of demands it. You know, it's <laughs> it's true. it's a requirement. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's it's not necessarily a prayer where you learn a cadence. And right now, um, my little monkey is preparing for his first reconciliation because we're Catholic. So he is learning a bunch of words he doesn't understand. But as he grows older and he repeats them, he will get it. So it is important to teach your kids yeah. to pray, not just the chants and 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 prayers that they're supposed to know, but also the meaning behind them as they're old enough to understand it. And I think your book touches on that quite nicely as well, because I had to read a couple things a few times to understand it, and I'm an old lady. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's important that you do that. So where's this book available for people who want to get a hold of a copy? Um, like everything else, it's available on Amazon.com, and so folks can order it off there. Um, it's also available on the Whiffin Stock um, our publisher's website, withinstock.com, or they can find uh, links to it at uh, our site, usefultogod.com. Okay, so I want people to get a copy. I'll give one away at the end of the interview. That's that's one of the requirements I do for having on authors. But oh, great. Um, have you ever had an experience, and I know this is a little off topic for your book, but I want to know because you wrote a book about prayerful people. So, you know, we we always... When we go to mass or we go to service, we sit and we we wait for a message. We want that, you know, those chill bumps all over our body when the the Holy Spirit touches us and we're like, oh my gosh, I felt that. But have you ever had an experience in your life where you're going through something and you kind of get a message in a dream or a quotation you've heard in church a hundred times but haven't heard for 10 years and then it just plays over and over in your head and you realize God's trying to tell you something? You know, I've had that experience, but it's usually, for me, has tended to come through people. Um, I, uh, When I sort of get knocked back into reality, into God's reality, it's usually a word from a friend, uh, mm-hmm. from a mentor, uh, from somebody who knows me well, and just has a way of interjecting that, hey, you know, you're thinking wrongly about this issue. Think of it like this. Mm-hmm. You know, or they throw out a Bible verse, or they they call me out on you know just being ridiculous. Um, that's usually how I've experienced that, and get those sort of clear messages from God that I need to change directions, change orientations, and really make uh, a shift in my life. We we call that the the tennis slap from back in the day, where somebody just like <laughs> calls you out, just yeah. whap, you know, that's that's what you get, that's but. Right. I I had a a trouble in my life not too long ago, and I couldn't sleep because I kept hearing the responsorial psalm, if today you hear my voice, harden not your heart. It kept playing over and over in my head, and I don't know why, but it woke me up, and I was hearing it in my head like an earworm when you hear a song like Shake It Off from Taylor Swift or something, and you can't get it out of your head. But it played in my head all day, and I realized there was a reason for that, and it was because I was angry for something I shouldn't have been angry about. 
and I needed to let it yeah. go. And, you know, it. I took that as a message, and I truly believe it wouldn't have been there without somebody inter- intervening, and that somebody is my Lord and Savior. Yeah. No, I definitely. I mean, I, I think you're you're right on. I my tendency has been always to have these Bible verses sort of running through my skull. But I will also say that one of the quotes that tends to uh, you know sort of recycle in my brain an awful lot is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he talks about uh, he was preaching at a ecumenical com- conference in Gland, and he gets up in front of all of these different Christians and says has it not become evident that we value our thoughts over God's thoughts hmm. and that we've been reading the Bible for ourselves as opposed to against ourselves? And that's one that I find resonates with me over and over and over. Um, and it's just a good reminder that the Bible is not there for me to use. The Bible is there for to transform me, to change me. Do um, a, and do a that, little salt you know, in your soup, did he? Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And a lot of times people can be vengeful and mean, but sometimes it's a reaction to our behavior that needs to change. Um, but sometimes people are just downright mean and they need to be called on it too. And when when that happens, just remember I might be your message. So be open to <laughs> That's it. Right. Yeah, you're not the godliest person in the world you can learn to. So That's right. I, I would like people to get this book. It's Dr. James Spencer and Ashish Varma who put together a book called A Praying People. It is essays inspired by Dwight L. Moody, but they're explained in a way that helps you understand what he meant so that you can apply it to life in 2023. And it's very valuable. I think whoever wins this book is getting a gift from from you, Dr. Spencer. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate it, and um, it was a joy to write. So uh, I got a lot out of writing it, and hopefully people will get a lot out of reading it. I love it. All right, Dr. James Spencer, the book is called A Praying People, a collection of essays. Check it out from D.L. Moody. And thank you for being on the show, sir. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Take care. Bye-bye.